Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 136 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Justin Claypool, Justin lives in Clarkston, Washington, where he works in sales and customer service for a safety and supply company. Welcome, Justin. Good morning. Good to talk to you today. How's it going there? Oh, pretty good. That's good. That's good. You know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So for me, what brought me to intermittent fasting, it was last year. October 2019, and I was doing low-carbon keto at the time. I'd been doing that for a few months, and I'd sort of gravitated towards doing, like, 
bulletproof coffee a lot, getting into like the fat coffee and basically started a form of intermittent fasting, you know, where I was doing a meal replacement in the morning with that fat coffee and then going further out. And at the time I was also doing a healthy wager, which I know isn't like a big thing we support in the delay don't deny group, but it was, you know, a a bet to lose weight. And so in that group though, somebody actually recommended to join uh, the delay don't deny Facebook page. And so I went on there and joined the page and, you know, shortly after joining the page, I think the same day I went and got the, you know, the delay don't deny book on audible and sort of tore through that. Like I think in a day or so and immediately, you know, quit drinking the fat coffee and decided to give the clean fast a try. So awesome. You know, that's funny that you say that you you were on a healthy wager kind of page. I did that kind of thing. I wasn't in any of the groups because I don't know if they were really around. They might have been. But I can remember at my workplace, we had like our biggest loser competition. And I participated in that more than one year. In fact, one year I won it. Isn't that funny? I gained the system by like eating a whole lot the day before the first weigh in. Yeah. (laughs) So my weight would be up and then like crazy, crazy. I just wanted to say I'm not perfect with that either. Looking back. The one that I did was like a personal one. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that those are like the healthiest way to try and lose weight. They're definitely motivation because there's, you know, money behind it. And with this one, you had to pay in every month. So I was paying money into it every month and I did end up winning it. You know, which was great to get the money, but it's like, you know, it really, I think, can encourage like some unsafe practices and things like that. Exactly. Which is just what I, I, you know, looking back, I mean, I know so much more now. This was probably around maybe 2011 or something like that. So it was a long time ago, but it's just so funny that you mentioned it because there I was. I didn't know any better at the time. I mean, maybe I did. I'm not sure, but it was like motivational and anyway. Game in the system. So that was just funny that I remembered that. So you quit the fat and the coffee. What did you notice right away? Anything at all when you quit doing that? The main thing that I noticed was my hunger levels as far as in the morning. You know, I would hold out like as long as I could. I would make the bulletproof or fat coffee, whatever you want to call it, at home and take it to work. And I was like trying to wait and fast because I always knew that I would get hungry after I ate it, but it would like kind of keep me full for a few hours. But then it was like ravenous hunger. And so once I quit drinking it altogether, I noticed that it was like I was having no problem at all making it to like two in the afternoon, three in the afternoon, all the way to just I pretty much jumped right into doing one meal a day. So, you know, two or three hour window. And I had no problem getting to it without that fat coffee. The fat coffee was just, as soon as I drank it, it was like, you know, a couple hours later, I was just starving. Well, that's just so funny because it's the opposite of what, you know, you're promised, right? You're promised that this fat coffee will make you not hungry. It'll make you feel better. Dave Asprey actually has a new book coming out. We're recording this in December. It's not out yet. And it's a book about fasting. And I can't wait to read it. I'm going to see what he says. Is he still recommending the fat coffee and why? But for me, it also made me hungrier because I tried that back in the day as well. You know, everyone was drinking that coffee and it made me hungrier. (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, very occasionally I'll still have, uh, you know, a coffee like that with mostly just put like collagen and stuff in it, but sometimes, you know, some cream or some MCT or something, but it's always during my window or to open my window and usually on the weekends or something when I'm, you know, hanging out at home. So. Exactly. So tell us about, you know, your weight. At that time when you started in 2019, you know, how much weight did you need to lose? That right. sort of thing. So at that point, I had kind of been on a yo-yo a bit. In 2019, I was around 320 pounds. And that was down from my heaviest. At my heaviest, I was around 375. I don't quite know for sure. I wasn't like weighing or checking or anything when I was at my actual heaviest. But I had done, in 2017, I started doing the whole 30. And so I did my first whole 30 in like March of 2017. And actually I had really great success with that. I lost a lot of weight during that first 30 days. And then as soon as I went off, it just started coming right back. So I just went right back on it and did another one. And I ended up getting down to like losing like almost 90 pounds, like doing that. But for me, it was just like so strict that, you know, it just became like a cycle of, I would be perfect for those 30 days. And then you know, it's the the whole on the wagon, off the wagon thing. And I, I would be like, well, now that I'm off the wagon, I might as well. Have all the things. Yeah, exactly. All the things I haven't had in, you know, 30 days or 60 days or whatever. And so in May of 2019, I was all the way back up to 315 pounds, which was like 50 or 60 pounds of weight regain. And that's when I started that healthy wager. And throughout like the summer, I messed around with a few different things and kind of settled into low carbon keto. And then that's when I transitioned to intermittent fasting. I would say I was probably right around like 295 or 300 when I started in October with the actual clean fast and delay don't deny. So when you switched over, well, well, not switched over, but when you began to implement intermittent fasting, did you, other than changing, you know, the the coffee that you were drinking, did you make any other changes in what you were eating or did you stick with the low carb? So at first I was still doing low carb. I wasn't, I quit, you know, per the real, you know, delay, don't deny motto, I quit like counting macros and things like that, but I was still mostly sticking with low carb. It took me a really long time to really be able to enjoy what I wanted in my window without like, you know, fear that I was sabotaging my progress or things like that. So for a long time, I was still doing low carb. And then kind of when I got down, uh, like this spring, like April or May, when I got down to around the weight that I'm at now, right now I'm around 220. I don't weigh in anymore, but I've been kind of sitting there since May of 2020. And at that point, I really started integrating all the foods back in. And that you feel like you feel good with all the foods. Definitely. I, I mean, with the intermittent fasting, especially when I'm you know doing one meal a day and longer fasts, I notice that like I'm a lot more sensitive to what I eat. So, you know, if I 
do go out and eat something super crummy or end up eating fast food or something, I feel it a lot more. And so I tend to stick with whole foods. Right. That makes sense. I'm puffy today. I went out to ate Italian food last night. So I've got like <laughs> lasagna bags under my eyes from that. <laughs> <laughs> right. The water. Attention. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So even though like I ended up kind of on like that vicious yo cycle with the whole 30, I'm super thankful for it because I learned a ton about food. Um, you know, when you have to cut like everything out and cook everything from scratch I did not have like the culinary skills that I had after doing that like six or seven times I think I did different rounds and so you know I learned a lot about food and really added a ton of foods that I probably would have never cooked you know right so you prefer to eat mostly whole foods now yeah for sure but just not limiting the carbs exactly so you know I try and avoid processed foods and the best I can, but <laughs> it's not always perfect. But, the, you know, that's the nice thing is it it doesn't have to be. So. Exactly. You want yeah, the, the goal is to, to feel great, eat foods that you love and enjoy while still, you know, listening to your body. I don't like to eat out at restaurants or eat restaurant food or take out a lot, but sometimes you do it. For sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Whole30 is just so interesting to me. You know, I, I never tried it. Mm-hmm. But the rounds of it, like, were you involved in the communities and the back and forth? And Oh, yeah. Isn't it supposed to be, like, wasn't it designed to be, like, an elimination protocol and then you figure out what foods work for you? Right. So, you know, you eliminate everything for 30 days and it's, like, soy, gluten, wheat, dairy, anything with added sugar in it. And then after the 30 days there's like reintroduction. So you're supposed to like slowly reintroduce the foods and figure out what foods, you know, affect you in what ways. And I did try and do that, but I had a really hard time with the reintroduction. I lived really well under the rules, but then once it was like, okay, now slowly add stuff back. I was like, well, you know, for me, it would be like, okay, well, I'll try and have a, you know, a drink and then, Next thing you know, I have a hamburger and french fries and, like, all this different stuff. And then, you know, kind of eliminates the purpose of, like, figuring out which foods affect right, which way. Right, because you add them all back. I think that a lot of people do fall into that trap with Whole30. I, the way that, that just – I've thought about that because I could see I would probably have done that too. Because I could follow the rules perfectly for 30 days and then, bam, here's all the foods again. Yeah, and – you know, if you can do it as prescribed and use it to figure out, like, what foods are causing you a certain problem or making you feel a certain way, I think that it can still be a useful tool. For me, I was able to figure out, you know, a few things, like, that don't sit well with me or things that make me feel lethargic, things like that. But I kind of have done that with intermittent fasting as well. Like, you know, when your body's been fasted, it's more sensitive to, you know, foods that are good for you and foods that aren't. So I've also been able to figure it out that way where like I notice when breaking with a certain food, I, you know, I either feel great or I feel crummy type deal. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. 
Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So what are some of the foods that you've figured out just really don't work well for you? I can't break with dairy. I've always been like slightly lactose intolerant. And anytime I break with dairy, I don't feel great. And anything like super processed, like if I go get fast food or anything like that, like I'll be okay. But I just feel super lethargic, especially on a longer fast, like after a mealless Monday or something like that. I notice I do better if I stick with low carb. To open your window? Yeah. Just a little bit lighter, something lighter. I usually try and do like a small snack and then, you know, half hour later or something, eat a bigger meal. So you say you generally do a meal a day now. You're on the, so do you you generally stick to a pretty short window? What does that look like for you? I do. I don't usually have like a very long window. I tend to eat probably all my food within an hour. It depends on the day, you know, and what's going on. But for the most part, whenever I decide to cook or go out to get food or whatever, I make enough that I'm going to be full by the end of that hour. So, and I did do some alternate day fasting actually last month. So that was kind of interesting. A friend of mine reached out to me and was wanting to get started on fasting. Of course, no, didn't really want to read the books or anything like that. But I told him about the clean fast and, you know, he was all in for that and wanted to do longer fast, um, like water fasting, like four or five days. And I convinced him to do some alternate day fasting. So we did four, three all of last month. And we had Monday, Wednesday, Friday, down days, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, up days, you know, with two or three big meals over six or eight hours. And so that was uh, kind of interesting. It's, I don't think I'm a fan, honestly. Not, you didn't love it? No, I did fine on it. I felt great on the fast days, but on the feed days, it was just like, you know, a big chunk of my day I felt like was lost to not feeling as good when I refed. Like I would just feel tired and drained after I ate compared to like, you know, you feel really great on the fast day, the down day. It's true. 
You're right. It's funny. That, that's exactly how I felt as well. You know, I'm not anti 4-3 and some people love it. And it also might be something someone needs to do for a time. Like if they're, you know, if they think they have metabolic slowdown or if they've adapted on and plateaued on one meal a day, especially if you tend to have a one hour window. So, you know, with my one meal a day, I tend to be more like four to five hours because yeah. I stretch it all out. I I think I have a little stomach. Like <laughs> I can't fit as much in there as I would need to for the day. I'm short waisted. I don't know. There's definitely a place for four three, but you're right. The up days you think would be so much fun. And then I started to dread the up days. I mean, it's, I haven't done it since like what? 2016. It's been a long time since I've done 4-3, but the updates, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, a few hours in it, it is kind of nice, especially on the weekends, like to have, be able to like hang out and like eat breakfast or things like that with it. I hadn't really been doing in a long time. So, you know, it was interesting. And I still do like to mix in like a mealless Monday once in a while or one longer fast, but yeah, like you said, kind of start to dread the updates, which is like, to me, the opposite of what it should be. And I and love it's also food. what you would you wouldn't think you would feel that way. Oh, I love right. food too, I, but then you're like get tired of eating all the time. <laughs> That's what I remember. I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm going to be so tired. I don't want to do it. And it was also hard. I was still teaching at the time, so the problem was I did not want to take food with me to work. Right. Exactly. And that's the other thing when doing it. It's like then I'm either. The next day when I refeed, if I'm working and I do it like earlier in the day, then I'm either buying like breakfast and lunch out to eat or something, or at least buying lunch out to eat and then coming home and cooking dinner. And it's like, I don't want to meal prep. I don't want to do any of that either. So I prefer like the one meal a day where I can get off work and come home and cook something and like I look forward to it every day so it's like I don't like the ADF schedule quite as much did you lose any weight with while you were trying it for the month did your weight pretty much stay the same I didn't really weigh in during that time I have tried really hard to move away from the scale because um, with doing like the healthy wage and things like that I just got like super number oriented and I tried to do the averages. You know, I have like a Renfo smart scale, I guess, that's supposed to analyze body composition and things like that. But I would really still get caught up on the numbers. Like, because even weighing every day and comparing weekly averages, you still see your weight every day. And I notice it like, you know, it really would kind of affect me in a way like, even subconsciously where I was like thinking oh, I better not eat, you know, a potato with dinner or something because I was up today. And so... You're exactly right. That's why I threw my scale away, you know, after being in maintenance and and seeing, you know, when I got back on it. But seeing the up and the down really made me start to think diety thoughts. And like, you know, I'm going to... I better not go eat Mexican food tonight with my husband because then my scale will be up three pounds and I don't want to see that. I'm like, wait, that's crazy. Yeah, it really, it really is. And it's like, it can kind of like determine your mood for the day even, you know, like you get on there and you're down five pounds and it's like you have a huge pep in your step, like you drink a giant cup of coffee or something. And then I just wasn't a fan of it. So I've tried to move away from it and, you know, focus more on just doing the clean fast and knowing that, you know, 
I'm having body recomposition, things like that. So Yeah, like focus on the fit of your clothes, your waist measurement. I still track those. I track my waist measurement here and there just to see. Yeah, and I can totally tell if, you know, like I've had periods where I was eating more unhealthy and having like a longer window and stuff. And I can totally tell like the way my clothes fit. It's like, okay, I got to, you know, tighten up my window and, and things like that. And, but I just... Like say, I should probably just throw my scale out. Yeah, or get it. a shape of scale. I do love my shape of scale. I'm sure you've heard me talk about that. That shows you the color. Have you heard me yeah, talk about I that one? I have seen that. Yep, I've I've seen it on the podcast in the Facebook group. It, it's it got me back on a scale. Sure. What I really love is after what month was it in October. You know, we bought a new beach condo. I came to the beach to get it ready for renting and all of that. So I was here by myself, but I was eating out. And then I I came back to the beach and ate out a bunch. So it was twice in that month. I actually saw gray on the shape of scale, which indicated my weight was trending slowly upward. But I didn't freak out. That was what was so exciting because I wasn't surprised because I'd been eating out a lot more and not cooking at home. And I actually felt empowered by that. I wondered how I would feel, like would I be upset? But I was like, okay, I'm not surprised. I've done a lot of eating that was different than normal. But I just kept doing what I was doing and didn't like freak out or diet. And then it went back down. Then I saw blue, which showed I was losing that that I had gained. And so it just felt really nice to say, look, you know, I don't don't have to be responsive. Not seeing that number fluctuate, just seeing that color, even though it showed me gray, I was okay with it. That felt so good. Right. Yeah, I've I've totally thought about getting one, and it's something I might still do. But yeah, I definitely get that. Like I bought a house in September, and so, and it was like a total fixer upper. So during the first like I don't know, almost two months, we were doing nothing but like working on the house and putting in new floors and things like that. And so it was like pretty much ate out every day, you know, like pizza, burgers, Chinese food, stuff like that, and so. I did at one point jump on the scale after that. And I was actually surprised to see that I didn't gain as much as I thought I did, which is great because, you know, like I said, with intermittent fasting, there's no like on the wagon, off the wagon. So even though, you know, I might have had days on the weekends where I was having like a two meal a day day or something, every day you're still fasting. And so I would try and, you know, still push my clean fast as long as I could even though I was eating, you know, less than ideal foods. So it's able to still mostly maintain during that time. And your body knows what to do. And a lot of that, you know, quote, gain is not just like pure fat gain. Like this morning, you know, I'm at the beach. I don't have my scale with me. I don't have my shape of scale. So I didn't step on it because it's at my house. But I'm pretty sure if I had an actual scale and got on it, my weight is up just because I had lasagna and bread and um, I feel puffy, but it's not fat gain. And that's just so important. And you knew that, you know, inflammation of the puffiness. And And being like a bigger guy, I can gain a ton of water weight. Like, you know, even an intense workout or something where your muscles rebuilding and retaining water. Like I've seen fluctuations from like morning to night. Cause I was like one of those people that really get OCD, like, and curiosity gets the best of me. I'll like weigh at night and weigh in the morning type deal. And like I said, it's just not a healthy relationship with the scale, but mine will fluctuate like 10 pounds, which, you know, that's a huge difference. So like to see 
those numbers go up and down just that much with water weight. It's really crazy how much it fluctuates. It really, really does. I remember back when I was still weighing, right after I'd hit my goal weight, it was I think it so I think it was 2015. I was still weighing daily. I weighed daily for the first year of maintenance, but I've talked about this before. That famous girls weekend where I weighed myself on Friday before I left. And then when I weighed myself on Monday morning, I was nine pounds heavier than I had been on Friday, but it was all because of the weight of the food and the water retention. And so by the the next weekend, it was all gone. But, you know, I didn't freak out. I was like, all right, that's just what my body's doing. I did not gain nine pounds of fat (laughs) over the weekend. So we don't gain or lose fat that quickly. Right. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but I've heard it was like, At the most you could gain in a day would be like half a pound or something, if that. Yeah, of fat. And that would be a lot of, yeah. And like even if you're doing a complete fast, if the most you can lose is like a half a pound of fat. So you're not really, you know, gaining or losing. Someone in the group the other day was talking about doing a 48-hour fast and they lost six pounds and then they – Two days later, they'd regained the six pounds. I'm like, you got to understand, you didn't lose six pounds. You didn't regain the six pounds. It's just, you know, it's all that fluctuation. The actual fat loss is hidden in there somewhere. It's hard to pinpoint it exactly. So that's why the overall trend matters so much. So, you know, you talked about your highest weight was around 375. So you're down, what, about 150 pounds? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, around there. And it. One point, I think I was down like to around like two ten or two fifteen when I was still weighing in over the summer. But then, you know, with the buying the house and all that stuff, it's been a little bit crazy. But also, you know, I do strength and conditioning classes in the morning, so I think with that, you know, I've also had uh, increased body recomposition. You know, more higher percentage of muscle and things like that. But yeah, about one hundred and fifty pounds total. That's amazing. So how long have you struggled with your weight? Has it been a lifelong kind of a thing? It has. So I, I've been heavy set since I can remember from being a little kid, you know, back to, I guess, you know, kindergarten, even before that, I was always pretty heavy. And I think like around like sixth grade, I, you know, really started to put on quite a bit of weight and wasn't really doing anything you know, different than my siblings or peers or anything like that. And so I went to the doctor ahead of like going to middle school and was like trying to kind of pinpoint it. And at that point in sixth grade was already diagnosed as insulin resistant and pre-diabetic. And so from there, we, you know, did tests, thyroid tests and things. They thought I might have like Hashimoto's or something. They really just weren't able to pinpoint anything specific. And of course, put me on like a low fat portion control diet that just wasn't sustainable and didn't work. No, for a, especially as a sixth grader, right? Yeah, it wasn't going to work. And how old are you? Do you mind me asking how old you are? Oh, now I'm 30. Yep. 30. Okay. So you, you're a young guy. But I just, I wondered because, you know, when I was a kid, they weren't throwing around words like insulin resistant or Hashimoto's. I figured you were. Yeah. And. And they actually prescribed me metformin back then. And yeah. And so, you know, started taking the metformin and it didn't didn't help at all. If anything, I think I, you know, gained more weight after starting to take it, which, you know, what we know about insulin now and 
some of the stuff we see from uh, Dr. Jason Fung on, you know, metformin and the, those type of effects, it makes sense. So. so you struggled all the way through. Was anyone else in your family struggling with it or was it just you? I would say it was mostly just me. My older brother, you know, there was a couple points that he was pretty big in in high school, like playing football and things like that. But he wasn't ever super overweight like the way that I was. And nobody else in my family really struggled with it. You know, from there and throughout high school, I always tried a few different things. And then after school, I tried some of the like crazier stuff. I did, you know, HCG, those little drops where you eat the 500. You did the drops. Yeah, the drops under your tongue and the 500 calorie meal. And I did the shots. I did the HCG shots. I'm sure you've heard me say that. The 500 calorie meals. That was nuts. It was crazy. And I was losing weight. Like when I could stick with it, I was dropping weight like at an insane pace. And then, but the problem was I was starving all day, every day, just miserable. And then it would like come to the point where I would just hit McDonald's and get like four Big Macs. Like my body was just screaming at me to eat. And we know that's what our bodies do. And the whole theory of that HCG, you know, I read everything. I read. Did you read Dr. Simeon's book? He was a doctor and he wrote about it and how it was supposed yeah. to work. And yeah, and it, it sounds so crazy now, but the theory made so much sense. It was like, oh, it tricks your body into thinking you're pregnant <laughs> yeah. and your your body can tap into those fat stores. I'm like, what a great thing. I'm going to, and I got it from a doctor. So it seemed like such a great idea, but my body fought back too. Yep. Yeah. Thank goodness, right? Yeah. For sure. And, you know, it's one of those crazy diets. There were so many of them. I tried, I did the juicing where you literally only drink like cold pressed juice. And I was starving on that too. I never did the juicing. I tried the lemon thing where you do like what the master cleanse. Is that's what that's called? Did you ever try that one? I didn't yeah. do that with the cayenne pepper and was it like maple syrup? Yeah. Yes. That's one I tried it. One I missed. <laughs> well, but that wasn't any good. But I tried that one, but I never did juicing because I knew that that wouldn't work for me because juice always made me so hungry. Yeah, the juicing one was like as bad, if not worse, than the HCG, which we know now I know I was just spiking my insulin without giving myself like really any food all day, every day. So that's a losing proposition, right? <laughs> it was no fun for sure. But it sounds so good. You know, you look at the top weight loss books, I check it out sometimes on Amazon because I like to see how my books are doing. And there's like some smoothie ones that always pop back in there. This green smoothie. And I'm like, you know, that just doesn't sound like any fun at all. And who would even think, you know, knowing what we know now, we would think it, but fasting seems so much more extreme than drinking those smoothies, but it's so much easier. It is. It's really great. It's funny, like, um, that you say fasting seems extreme because I was doing Whole30 and a coworker of mine was doing fasting and like some of his longer fasts were, you know, like 24 hours. And I was like, you're insane. I could never, ever go that long without food because, like, even doing Whole30, it was, like, three or four hours, you know, after I had my first meal, I was, like, I have to eat. I have to have my next meal or whatever. And so I was, like, there's no way I could go 24 hours, you know. And now I did a a month of 4-3, like, no sweat, like, you know, 40, 42, 44-hour fast. I think the longest that I've done – I did like a 60-hour, 64, somewhere around there, like two sleeps. 
which I've only done that like once or twice, but it's crazy to think. And it's, it really is easy. Like you think it would be, people are all the time. My friends are like, how could you go that long without food? And you really just kind of do it. (laughs) It's easy. It's so much easier. And I think one I kept trying to go back to where it was the shake program where you had like a shake for breakfast and a shake for lunch and then a sensible dinner. And all those shakes did were make me starving. Like I was so stoked. Yeah, I did that. I did the shake replacement one too. I can't remember what brand it was or anything like that. But these vanilla shakes, the they they're like they taste like cake, you know. And it's like oh they gosh. do taste pretty good. And you like throw a banana or whatever in there and shake for breakfast and a shake for lunch. But it it just didn't work for me, you know. And then by dinner time, I was starving, and you know. It would be really hard to have a sensible dinner after only having those shakes all day. So, And even I remember what I noticed then is, you know, because some of those things when Facebook was starting to come around. So whenever I tried something, I would join Facebook groups for it. But I remember one of those shake programs that I was trying because a friend was doing it. And I was looking and, you know, some of the people that had been successful with it. And you would, you know, see how they had lost a lot of weight. But then they all struggled with regain. And so that was... You know, that was the story of of everything. Even HCG, I was in the HCG groups. And people would lose the weight like a boss. And then they would all, you know, struggle with weight regain and have to do multiple rounds. Like you were kind of trapped in that multiple rounds of Whole30. And the the whole cycle of doing something, then going off it and on and off. And I was trapped in that exact cycle, trying to find the thing where I wouldn't have to do that anymore. Right. Yeah. And that's what's crazy about having found clean fasting and sort of the DDD lifestyle is like, it just kind of clicked for me where I started doing the clean fast. And then, like I said, I was still kind of doing low carb and that, but once I really got to where I was like enjoying the foods that I wanted during my window, I was like, okay, I can do this forever. You can, you could do it forever. And there's no stopping and falling off and doing another round of it that's you know the most most freeing part of it you're just doing it for sure there's no off the wagon like you still see on the facebook groups you know a lot of times people are like oh i've been off the wagon it's like you're still fasting every day you know at least while you're sleeping and so just try and you know maximize those hours before you break your fast then and on days where i'm struggling or you know have family in town or in the middle of now of doing like a kitchen remodel. So I, I'm sure you can see on, you know, on the video, I've got like all of my kitchen packed behind me. And so I have no sink or anything right now. So I'm in another one of those kind of modes where I'm like not, you know, always eating the best or whatever, but I still do my clean fast every day and try and push it as far as I can, you know, through the day. It really does make a huge difference not having that, sort of on the wagon, off the wagon diet mentality. It really does. Once you embrace, I am an intermittent faster and this is what I'm going to do, all that just slips away. Because you know, when you have, we all have seasons. And again, like I said, I haven't weighed myself on the scale and seen a number since I guess it was 2017. But I know that over the years, I've had periods where my weight went up and went down all within a range that I'm not sure what that range is. But our bodies know what to do. And so we're staying within that range and sometimes we fast longer and sometimes we fast shorter and sometimes our diet is, quote, cleaner 
you know, and sometimes it's not, you know, there's seasons for everything. How did your friend do that did ADF for your 4-3 for a month? What did he think? So he wasn't like weighing in constantly. He doesn't actually have a scale, but he did really well on it. So he had weighed in at a friend's house and saw that like he was approaching a weight that he like never tries to get to. And he kind of always does a cycle of like, he'll hit that weight and then go on some sort of diet or whatever and like watch what he's eating for a while and get back down. But he's still doing it. You know, I told him, I was like, I'm going back to one meal a day. <laughs> Especially with like the remodel and everything. It's been really hard like the last couple of weeks. So I was like, I'm going to go back to one meal a day. But like you should stick with, you know, if you like the ADF, stick with it. You know, for me, like we talked about the up days just didn't work for me. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to jump ship here with you. But it was really kind of cool to have some like a, kind of fasting buddy or whatever for that month and it was like okay you know today we're both feasting like what are you having you know sort of like send each other pictures of our food like making sure stuff's window worthy absolutely that's important (laughs) i've totally become like a food snob where i won't eat something unless it's like really delicious that's great though it's such a great feeling because i remember all those days when i used to carry snacks in my purse and I would eat something just because I had to eat, right? I had to eat right now. And it wasn't window worthy. Or of course, I wasn't even fasting at the time. But now there's no emergency. No need to eat just because food is there. You can be very cheesy. For sure. And uh, I was even more so with the alternate day fasting. Like when you only eat once or, you know, not once, but when you only every, yeah, every other day, it's like, it almost was like we'd start to like plan it out, you know, like a, the the whole day in advance. Like, what are we going to make tomorrow? <laughs> so it was like, if you're only going to eat two or three meals over the next, you know, two days, you want it to be good. Yeah, <laughs> and I find I have a hard time on the the updates too, not just like overeating or like eating to the point where I'm stuffed, just because you know once you break that fast, you do get really hungry, but like. I do better with the one meal a day where I kind of slow down and eat my one meal. And like, I'm able to like, I think, listen to my satiety signals better and know when I'm actually full where on those up days, it was like a free for all for me. I think that's important to know your body and how it responds. Because I actually have heard some people find the opposite. They find that on the up days, they really get a good sense of of appetite correction. And it's we're all going to be different with that. And so that helps you to find your rhythm. You know, I've got some moderator groups that are like behind the scenes. We have like moderator chats. And it's interesting to see, you know, some of them that are doing 4-3 or 5-2 or a hybrid or some that are just strictly one meal a day. But it's interesting to, you know, to hear the moderators talk about it and how they all have different preferences. And also the preferences change over time. Someone might feel really great doing four, three for a couple months. And then they're like, no, I just really need to do one meal a day now for a while. And then they'll do that. And that feels really good. Then they're like, I think I'm going to add a down day here and there. And they'll try that. And it's all the tools in the toolbox. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life 
by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. For sure. Yeah, it definitely is interesting to see how it works differently for different people. It's pretty crazy. Like, there's no one-size-fits-all plan. You and know? sometimes some of the people, you know, especially, you know, talking to the moderators, some of them prefer the 500-calorie down-day approach to 4-3. And that 500-calorie meal helps them feel better, where others are like, I can't eat 500 calories, or then I just go no. nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do the f- – like, for me, when I break my fast, I get hungry. I get super hungry. And – there's no way I would be able to just stick with 500 calories. And then there's some people who, I don't understand this is foreign to me, but that, and I've heard it enough to know that it's real. But when they're trying to do up day, down day, they have a hard time eating on the up day. It's like they have such good, they're like, I just can only eat one meal on the up day. I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. But they really get full, but not me. <laughs> yeah, I see that in the groups all the time. And I'm like, Wow, because I could on that update is like just eat and eat and eat. Yeah, I get it. Like I never was like I'm like I don't understand the two full to eat two meals. What does that mean? <laughs> I can understand not feeling your best eating early in the day. That's what always was my issue. You know, if I ate early in the day, I didn't feel as well later in the day than if I was fasted. But I definitely had room to eat another meal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, on the updates, I would find that I would, like, be avoiding eating, like, as long as I could throughout the day, especially when I was at work, because it was, like, and that was the other main problem, is, like, I'd be at work, and I'd be like, okay, well, now I'm going to break my fast, and then I was, like, I'm definitely not working at, like, the optimum level after I break my fast, I'm super lethargic, I'm, like, you know, just kind of dragging along for the rest of my day where I was having like a super productive, energetic morning before that. That's exactly true. So um, have you had any health benefits besides the weight loss, which is amazing? I definitely have. Like right kind of at the beginning of when I was doing like fat fasting and starting to do the intermittent fasting, I was having um, gout flare-ups all the time, like twice a week, never really recovering from them. And I haven't had a flare-up since, like, around this time last year. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) But you had it at the beginning. You had it at the beginning, and then – see, I think that's an important – we don't hear about gout a lot, but one of the, quote, risk factors or, you know, they they do talk about fasting leading to gout flare-ups, and so people will start fasting, and they'll have issues with gout. And then they're like, oh, I can't do fasting because it makes it flare up. But over time, yours stopped. Right. And – I dove in, I'm, you know, kind of a a research person myself, I dove in and like, really looked into it. And it's really crazy, like, how much how little they know about gout. 
Because it's like, you know, they'll be like, well, avoid red meats. And then, you know, somebody's like, well, I did carnivore. And then, I you know, I've been doing carnivore for two years and I haven't had a flare-up. So it's like, it doesn't make a lot of sense that way. But what I found, like, with as far as the link to fasting goes is that when you first start fasting, some anecdotal stuff suggests that it's because of, like, the excess ketones and your body's excreting those instead. And any other, you know, sort of junk that your body's cleaning up during that time is getting preference, uh, you know, is getting excreted instead of the uric acid, which, you know, and it's really weird. I've had my uric acid measured three times in blood draws over the last year since that started, and the level's been the same every time. Like, within a reasonable amount, like on the same number, like, you know, 8.2 or 8.8 or I think whatever it was, which was high or like right around high. But the last one was in March. And then the, the most recent one was in October. I just got a full blood panel done. And it's at the same level it was last December when I was having all the problems. So it's really weird. Like, you know, whatever causes that uric acid to actually form into crystals and, build up in the joint rather than just having the high levels in your bloodstream. So That's so interesting. So it makes me think my guess would be that it's it's part of that healing crisis, you know, that you're going through as your body starts to do a new thing and clearing out the junk early in the fasting. If you can just stick through it, get to the other side, it'll stop building up those crystals and then then you'll feel better. So that's what you've experienced. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, when I started doing it, I started taking like some uric acid supplements that I got off of Amazon. I don't know if they were, you know, snake oil supplements or they weren't really doing anything, but I took those and did intermittent fasting. And then like February, March, I hadn't had a flare up in a few months and just kind of like naturally tapered off of taking those pills because, you know, I wasn't having any problems and, you know, I haven't taken anything for it since. And I never bought into having the doctor write me a script for like the actual uric acid reducing pills that they prescribe to people because it's like a lifetime pill. There's no like, oh, we'll take this for six months. It's like once they prescribe it to you, they expect you to be on it like pretty much forever. And I was like, not something I'm willing to do, you know? Well, I'm glad that you stopped having the flares because I know some people have mentioned, especially it'll be like... And I know men tend to suffer from gout more than women. So they'll, a woman will come into the group and she'll say, my husband has started fasting with me, but he's having gout flare-ups. You know, what do I do? So I think it's important to, to know that, you know, maybe over time it'll just ease itself out. That's good info. What else other than the gout? Any other big health benefits? Uh, yeah, definitely. So, you know, with the, having just done a full blood panel, my A1C is like at a perfectly normal level now which having been diagnosed as pre-diabetic and insulin resistant, like all the way back in the sixth grade, I'm trying to think, you know, what are you like nine or 10 or something in the sixth grade? Like 11, I think 11 is yeah. sixth grade typically. So, you know, all the way back then having had a super high A1C. So for 20 years, even as childhood, you had a high A1C and now it's normal. Yeah, it's like... That's amazing. Uh, off the top of my head, I think I'm at like a 4.2 Wow. Or like... That's amazing. Not even close to the danger range anymore. And you're not eating low carb. You're not doing any kind of restriction. You're just doing the fasting. Yeah. And what's even more interesting is, you know, I just did that full panel late October, early November 2020. And 
it was after I'd been eating less than ideal for two months and it still was really good. I think it was like maybe like 0.1 or something higher than it was in March, um, which is when I'd been eating really well, but it like didn't skyrocket or whatever, you know, after like a couple months of, you know, like I said, less than ideal eating. And then, um, back in March, I was still losing quite a bit of weight and my cholesterol numbers weren't perfect. They weren't like dangerous or anything like that. And then on this most recent one, like every number on my entire blood workup was like perfect. It was really pretty crazy. Cause he's like, I don't really know what to suggest to you or anything. He's like, you're a little bit low on vitamin D, which everyone is this time of year. But other than that, like you, all your numbers are perfect. So what does he think about the fasting? He's said he's tried it before and he's definitely on board with it. He was just basically said, you know, whatever you're doing is working. So don't, you know, don't quit on that. I don't know if he, you know, we haven't talked super in depth about it. Like if he buys into it, you know, or prescribes it to his other patients or anything like that. But, you know, as far as for me goes, he's like, it's working. Don't, (laughs) whatever you're doing is working. Don't switch it up. So. Yeah, it's really cool to go in and, you know, have all your numbers be, you know, kind of right in line, like good blood pressure. And then I did this time, like, because of the recommendations from the group, I did my fasting insulin. Oh, yeah. How was that? It, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I went and plugged it in where, like, to that calculator thing that determines your insulin resistance. And it, the numbers all came up good on that as well. So interesting to see for sure. I would love to see a time when fasting insulin is the standard that everyone has, because I really think that could could help so many people early in the process know that, hey, it's time to start doing something. My fasting insulin is rising because, you know, I read a journal article recently that said, hey, we're looking at the wrong measure. A1C is not what we should be tracking. We should be tracking fasting insulin because the fasting insulin goes up prior to the other things, the other markers. So if you saw that going up, you would know it was time to address it before the other things, the other the other markers like A1C lag behind. Yeah, and it was super interesting. Like my doctor, I was like, you know, he had like messaged me or whatever and said, you know, uh, you have your annual appointment coming up and go and get blood work done two weeks prior or whatever. And I uh, responded, I was like, can you add fasting insulin on that? And he's like, like A1C? And it's no, like, you know, like fasting insulin. So he's like, he's a really cool doctor. So he's like, yeah, sure. And like sends it in to the hospital or whatever for the draw. And I get there and she's like, sees it in the computer. And she's like, has no idea, you know, if it's a separate test. And so she's like calling somebody, you know, and she's like, so is it just a regular insulin, you know, marker that I do while he's fasting? Like, you know, didn't have any idea like obviously it's a test that they very seldom run right that's just so interesting to me to think about that we haven't gotten there yet but really hopefully one day that'll be the the test that they start with right the gold standard yeah yeah if you read about i think it was dr craft was his name he was doing some work you know the craft insulin whatever assay or something but if you start you know researching that and digging in you know he was ahead of his time and people just ignored all that <laughs> 
And just it's just blood glucose. We just look at the blood glucose, but there's so much more going on. So that's so interesting. Well, I'm glad your fasting insulin was good. How about any other non-scale victories? Anything else? I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. As far as like, I had some scars that I've had since I was in a car accident when I was 14. And I had like a keloid scar formation. It was like on my collarbone and it was, you know, super raised and bumpy. And it's like almost completely gone now. Like you can barely, you can still see it a little bit, but it's like almost completely flat. I mean, you had that for like over 10 years, almost 15 years. Yeah, like 15 years. See, that's, hello, autophagy. That just is a miracle. It's definitely your body's eating something up, right? You know, people are like, yeah, that's not true. But yeah, we've heard it enough that (laughs) it's true. And it's funny, you know, people try and disprove that like autophagy will do something like that. And it's like, there's so much anecdotal evidence in the Delay Don't Deny Facebook groups. And I've had, you know, other stuff similar to that. I had like skin tags and things like that, that like one day I was just like, wait, where did that go? You know, it was just gone. And, you know, didn't even notice it, you know, having fallen off or whatever. And it just... It was gone. That's amazing. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you started? I would say really just like nailing down the clean fast and sticking with it and kind of circling back to just really ditching that on the wagon, off the wagon mentality. Because for me, once I really bought into that, it just clicked. You know, just realizing that, you know, there is there is no failing, you know, with intermittent fasting. Like, no matter what, you're fasting every day. And to just try and maximize that fasting window and not get hung up on, you know, how great you did all week or anything like that. Just... Take it a day at a time. Don't let it stress you out. For sure. (laughs) It's supposed to be an enjoyable lifestyle. Because we've been there. We've been on those crazy wagons, you and I. (laughs) Definitely. Many of I them. always love it when I when I talk to somebody who's been down those same crazy paths as me and Knowing what we know now, again, I like to joke that I'd I'd like to travel back in time. And I used to say, put a copy of Delay, Don't Deny in my hands, but now it would be Fast, Feast, Repeat, give that to myself in college. But I don't know if I would appreciate what I have now if I hadn't gone through the crazy. Right. And I definitely am on the same page with you on that. It's like, uh, you know, I was talking about how Whole30 for me you know, didn't really work well because I used it in a manner for which it was unintended and got into a yo-yo cycle. And, but I don't regret doing it at all. I learned so much, you know, from doing it about food and about the ways things affect me. So it's like, you kind of have to go through the different stages, I think, to really appreciate like how, you know, great intermittent fasting is and how well it actually does work. Exactly. Well, Justin, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. And thank you for being here. And I will see you around in the groups. All right. Thanks for having me, Jen. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. 
please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast, American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.